Hi, and welcome to episode 20 of The Epic Pencil, a regular venue for original writing, conversations with writers, and more. I'm your host, Chris Watson. Thanks for joining me for tonight's episode, an interview with author Dale Thomas Vaughn. When I launched this podcast earlier this year, I connected with a number of other new podcasters who were all using the same podcasting and hosting service. During an Introduce Yourself style chat session, another podcaster reached out and mentioned that she had a friend who was a published author who might be a great interview subject. She led me to Dale Thomas Vaughn. Dale is the author of six best-selling books spanning nonfiction like Wine Snobs Are Boring to a science fiction novella called Dr. Man's Kind Folly. He's written and edited millions of words professionally at Boots and All Travel and The Good Men Project, where he earned a nomination from the Southern California Journalism Awards. He's also a public speaker and has been featured on the BBC, CNN, TED, and many more media outlets. So let's dive right in. So Dale, thanks very much for joining me today. I appreciate it. I'm really thrilled to be here. So um, I just wanted to sort of jump right in because you've got sort of an eclectic set of topics that you've covered in your books, you know, wine and beer and, and sort of speculative sci-fi and things like that. I was curious sort of what's, what's drawn you to those, those different topics? You know, how do you find yourself, you know, writing uh, these different things? Uh, the first time I wrote a book, I was uh, 24 years old, and I found a journal of mine from four years prior that said, five-year plan, become an author. And I hadn't written anything. And so I decided to spend the next year writing a book. So I figured out how to write, um, and I wrote my first novel, a fiction uh, piece that had total adventure. It's very silly and fun and action-y. Um, I was watching a lot of Indiana Jones to kind of get that vibe of like, this is a, this is just for fun, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wrote that book. I self-published it. I learned how to do that. Self-published it on Amazon, had some, you know, a few hundred sales of it. And I felt like, okay, I'm a published author. I I did it myself, but it's out there. And after that, it felt so possible to publish something that I just sat down and thought, what are things I know I could write 50,000 words about? And I came up with a list. And just about every year since then, I have written a book. Uh, Not all of them are published yet. Six of them are out there on Amazon, Mm -hmm. self-published. And I have four more in the can. One I'm working on as well, probably 10 short stories in the two to to 5,000 word range. And I am working now on kind of the next level of my writing career. So I, generally, I just sat down and said, what am I interested in? Go. Hmm. That was cool. It. Interesting. So it's, it's, uh, you're, you're living that, that uh, the slogan of, you know, write what you know type of, or write what, write what you're interested in. Yeah, I think write what you're interested in. I, I don't know a lot about a lot, but I know a lot about a very little bit. And those things end up being... Uh, where I spend my time writing. I I have to say, I love in the fiction writing I do, I love to take an idea that's just, it's a bug. It's something that I feel like I want to play with and letting it lead me in the direction that I need to learn. So for instance, right now I'm writing a historical fiction 
that has fantasy, magical realism elements to it. It's basically a King Arthur concept set in the Wild West. But I wanted to have historical accuracy within the story, which meant I've been getting deep into the history of the Wild West, the real history of of different areas and kind of learning that that era. And I just am enjoying the practice of writing and also studying in order to write. It's really cool. So where where do you find you know the inspiration? I mean, a, a, a Wild West with an elements of King Arthur is definitely not something that pops into everybody's head. I mean, where do you where do you come up with the inspiration for the stuff that that you do? I I could be I could never be bored. I always have something I'm interested in my entire life. When people talk about being retired and not knowing what to do with themselves, that is not going to be my problem. I have a list, actually a spreadsheet of 60 different things I want to learn how to do, different skills, different languages, different, you know, things as wild as uh, haberdashery to um, bread making. Very simple things to very wild things. I am just always interested in the world around me. I've, I've always, I think time is short, you know, life is short. So why not look around and be super fascinated and everything? Um, so when I, what do I get inspiration from? The world around me is full of things that inspire me. I could walk to a library right now, you know, mask and social distancing permitting and walk down the aisles and, and just pick up 20 books and bring them home and just get lost in them. I, I love how wild and crazy the world is and, and you can get really deep into a lot of different weird things and write about them. Yeah. Have you, have you always been a uh, um, sort of a voracious reader? Were you as a kid? Um, not like more than other kids. I don't think. I like to be outside and play sports and mm-hmm. I like to play games. And I, I was a normal kid. I wasn't some kind of genius or anything, but I was read to a lot by my parents, I think as a, mm-hmm. as a kid, and that made a difference. But I also have traveled a lot. I will say when I was in my late teens, beginning college, I started to study abroad and I began a life of travel that has followed me. I have always been traveling since then. And I think traveling is a really great mindset to get into while reading. So for instance, whenever I go get on a plane, I feel now I feel my Kindle full of books I'm going to read. But at the time, like in, when I was 18, 19 years old and living in Paris, I went to the American library in Paris and would just pick up tons of books because I didn't have a lot of friends. There was a lot of stuff to see in Paris, but a good amount of being in Paris is just sitting in beautiful places with a nice drink or some food. So that's amenable to having a book. And I just found myself uh, having a lot of fun getting to know really interesting philosophers and writers who I had never come across in my little small town in Texas growing up. So yeah, I, I, I am a reader. I have been a reader my whole life, but I don't think I'm more voracious than your typical person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think looking at some of those stats that come out in terms of the number of books, the average person reads per year, you're, I think you're probably above average uh, in that regard. But uh, 
So that's probably true. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, you were read to as a kid, your, your, you know, your, your parents yeah. or, or older siblings or whoever read to you. Did you have a, a, you know, was there a favorite book that you had that really sort of, that you remember really catching your attention and making you uh, interested in, in storytelling or, or being told stories? The first books I remember really loving were the Hardy Boys books. And then there was an author named Matt Christopher who wrote a bunch of stories about kids my age at that time. I think I was probably eight, 10, something like that, playing sports. And their lives were in their sports. And that resonated with me. Mm. But really the first book that tore me from my life and made me sit down and read the book from the beginning to the end was Lord of the Rings. And I remember my dad tried to get me to read it for years. And then finally in like ninth grade or something, it came up on a list of books that my English teacher would allow us to read, you know, and do a report about. And I was like, okay, I guess if I'll get credit for it, I'll go ahead and read this. And I just remember getting so lost in that book and fell so in love with the characters and i mean to this day i want to be a wizard that is you know so <laughs> is, that, I, is that on your list of 60 things to do <laughs> yeah absolutely that's my driving force if if you if it, you ask anybody who knows me what does dale want to be when he grows up you they will tell you a wizard it's just too long <laughs> yeah. so i'm curious and um as you're writing is there Mm-hmm. When you sit down and you know, and you're and you're cranking out, you know, a fifty thousand word book, is there a particular process that you follow? Do you need to be in a, the same place, um, you know, or is there a particular uh, application if you're doing it, you know, digitally, or a particular set of writing tools that you prefer? No, I think relying too much on gimmicks like that uh, gets me out of my internal power and wisdom. And so for me, I come down to stoicism as my philosophy. And I think that's true in writing as well, which is my piece, my ability to write is not in some application. It's not in some garden or some specific chair. It's in me. So really what I have to do is just find my own space for me. So I don't have a set kind of way that I do tend to pour myself a couple, you know, a bourbon and I tend to sit down in my office and uh, set a timer. I mean, I, I do set a timer. I have a, an hourglass and I literally just turn this over and my, it, even if I only do that one time, that's usually good for 500 words or so. Mm. Um, I have a writing group that I go to every Thursday night that's uh, on Zoom, virtual hosted by my writing coach who I've hired in the last year. And I just love having somebody or a group of people to be accountable to. That's a really great structure for me. I can be a bit of a procrastinator, so I need accountability structures like Mm -hmm. that. So having a group that I report to or a person that I report to is helpful. But also on Facebook, I would say, hey, everybody, I'm writing a book over the next six weeks. And my goal is to get to 70,000 words and every day, I'm, my intention is to write, so I'm going to post at the end of every day the number of words I wrote that day. Hmm. And if I don't post or if I don't get to my word 
count goal by the end of this, you know, six weeks. I expect y'all to shame me and, you know, hold me accountable, basically. Uh, that worked the first few books, but then everybody was like, well, we know you're going to do it. So there's no point in us paying that close attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. But no, it does. I, you know, no, it does. I, I, I think it's, I know for some people, it's not so much a tool. For example, I tend to do a lot of my writing um, using a, an application called Scrivener. Yeah, which, sure. Um, you know, and the Very nice thing, thing and the nice thing that I love about it is that it actually gives me, I feel like more freedom because I've got it on my phone, my tablet and my desktop mm-hmm. so that wherever I am, if I have an, I, you know, if I have a thought on something, I can just yeah. drop right into my documents and I have access to everything that I've written. But I, you, definitely don't want it to become sort of a crutch where I can't write without it. So I love that idea of, of the writing strength is internalized and then you can use whatever um, tools to help keep you accountable. You know, the idea of, you know, flipping the, 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 um, uh, the hourglass um, you're with your writing group. Um, I've interviewed a couple of other people here on the podcast that are actually part of a writing group that started shortly before uh, the world went to hell with the the pandemic. And, you know, we had a chance to meet in person once or twice and we all knew one another, at least one person in the group sort of that we actually knew in person, but it's now become this weekly thing where it's just weekly prompts, but it's given us great, uh, incentive to write and people to bounce it off of and, you know, getting, getting that feedback. So how many people are in your group? I mean, how does it, are you just coming to your group with something that you've written for the week or is your writing coach or someone in the group setting a, a goal for uh, whatever the next virtual meeting is? How does it work? How does that work for you? Yeah. So I've been a part of several different kinds of writing groups. This one's been great. It's hosted by Tom Pfeiffer, who's my writing coach. Uh, he and his partner have a writing workshop that they sort of put on anyway. So they do this group. And basically, we show up on Thursday. We, we all know we're going to be there for three hours or however long. And we're going to get a prompt or several prompts to choose from and a 20-minute timer where everyone's silent and we're writing to the prompt at the end of 20 minutes everyone shares and gets um positive constructive feedback right no one's tearing each other up it's all very supportive Mm -hmm. that's the in the space of creation i think that's the right time for that and it's very helpful for me to just sit down and have 20 minutes that i know i'm not alone in the writing you know Mm -hmm. So it's very simple, but I also have been part of writing groups that had very specific word count goals and we're checking with each other every day. I've been part of writing groups where we're really reading groups for each other. We're reading each other's material, giving really constructive feedback. Sometimes the kind of stuff that says, Hey man, I think you got nothing here, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, but I think there's a time and place for each kind of, group and whatever is working for any given writer i mean every writer's got their own individual needs right so whoever's listening to this the idea is you're listening to this trying to get hope like goals and ideas tactics strategies that can help you write Mm -hmm. find what works for you try a bunch of different things try five writing groups this month (laughs) right and find and pick one right like don't don't 
I think people get too in their heads about writing or or project too much about who they intend to be in the future rather than kind of just being in the process of writing. Mm -hmm. My uh, writing coach, well, sorry, my first writing mentor who is an, a published author, he's, he's well-known in, in the industry, and uh, he's been a friend of mine for, gosh, 16 or 17 years. And I asked him one time, what does it take to really become an author? You know, the difference between a writer and an author is an author is getting paid and a writer is writing. <laughs> so what does it take to become an author? And his, he gave me this, you know, cocktail napkin because you were sitting at a wine bar, cocktail napkin with three steps, read, write, rinse and repeat. It's that simple. Just this doesn't take, it shouldn't take your soul out of you. It shouldn't be that hard. Just read what you like, write what you're interested in. Keep doing that. Now, when you, on that sort of the read, write, rinse, repeat type of thing, when you, you mentioned you've got a number of books that you published, you know, through, through Amazon, how do you, how do you get to that point where you feel like it's ready for you to put it out there into the world? Uh, do you have beta readers that that are going through your stuff? I mean, what's your typical revision process or how long does it take you to get from that first draft when you type the end and then you start going back through it to refine it to the point where you actually feel like, yep, now I feel ready to, to put it out there in the world for other people to look at? Yeah, I think it varies for every book, but my experience at the, at the beginning was I just wanted to see if I could do it. Mm. I didn't really care about, you know, it making a living for me. And I didn't really care about people knowing me as an author. I just wanted to see if I could do it. I was curious about the process of writing and I just, I enjoyed the process and I thought, well, I'll just see if I can do it. Now I've changed and grown and I recognize that I am more serious now than I was when I started. But even when I started, I knew if I'm going to be serious down the road, you know, much later in life, it might be my 10th book. It might be my millionth word. It might, it's probably not going to be my first book. I think the biggest challenge is the patience to just say, I'm not going to be great right away. It's going to, it's going to take some time. So for me, the process of knowing, yes, I'm done with this book has changed. And now I'm at the point where I have a, a writing coach who is in a former editor at Random House and who, who knows what he's looking at. And I have him read through it as I'm writing it. I have him help me with the editing process. And then I have certain people I trust who know me and also know a bit about literature specifically the genres I'm looking at, science fiction and fantasy and stuff like that. I have them read it, but I've also been an editor of my own books and of, you know, major blogs and, and writing. So my challenges with getting a book done are typically not about the revision process. My challenges are just with the sitting down, getting a cohesive thought and saying, there's 70,000 words in this, let's go. That's the only challenging part, but it's it's not terribly challenging. I mean, I still am writing a book every year. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
someday, you know, we're going to talk about this and we'll be at a hotel at a conference and we'll be <laughs> clinking glasses and we'll, we'll look back on these, these silly moments where we were talking about things like we knew what we were doing. And the reality is all the books that I've published until now might be total garbage compared to my next book, which is great. So I just kind of keep that in front of me. Just keep moving, just keep writing, trust that down the road, it'll make sense, you know. How has the, the Amazon self-publishing process worked for you? I know a couple other people who have gone, who have gone that route um, and who have, who have enjoyed it. They like the freedom that it comes with. Um, how have you found it as a, as a publishing platform? Yeah, it's hard for me to compare it to anything else because it's the only platform I know. But my experience of it has been very liberating to say, I know for sure I can publish this. If, if no one else picks it up, if I, if I pitch this to a hundred agents and I still believe in it, it's okay for me to publish this myself. That's a very liberating thought. Mm -hmm. And I have had, you know, modicums of success with them. They're, the ability to, to push them up into the bestsellers list is a strategy. You know, you can kind of learn that and, and I've done that now six different times and three other times with other people's books. It's, it's not super challenging and you can get Amazon to work for you. You know, Amazon wants you to sell books. They're, they're really a partner or a marketing partner. The only problem with Amazon and publishing through them is the noise that everyone else is generating on Amazon. So while you have access to tons and tons of people searching for books, you're also at the mercy of the million other authors out there who are doing exactly what you're doing. So if you're going to write a nonfiction book, that's about a very specific topic that has within it, you know, within Amazon's categories has its own category. You're likely to do very well because you'll always be in the top 10 of that category, which means you'll always be getting kind of recurring sales. I think the fiction world is more challenging. And I, I am looking forward to, experiencing the kind of big five publisher experience mm -hmm. and kind of understanding what the difference of them is because either way, I believe you're doing most of your own marketing now, but I do think that there's more clout when you go through a publisher, for instance, it's harder for me to go and get, you know, a nebula award. I think if I'm self-published, I don't know if that's true, but it feels true. <laughs> So I would say if, if you're, if you're interested in making money, it's possible to do that in Amazon. You just, you're, you're going to have to be your own marketing team and you're going to have to be creative and guerrilla about it. I'm a speaker, I'm a public speaker. So everywhere I go, I'm able to hawk my books from the stage. So I'll sell a handful of books every time I'm up there. Sometimes I can package them into a speaking deal. So I'm selling a hundred books at a time. Like I can do things with it because it's a product, but in the fiction world, I just think that, I think it's a different model. It might not work for everybody. So how are you approaching um, your new book or whichever book it is that you have that, that you do want to try and go sort of the traditional, let's call it the, the, you know, the traditional publishing yeah. route through the big five publishers, you know, seeking an agent, then having the agent pitch and going through the whole uh, gauntlet of, 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 reviews and feedback and how are you approaching that? I mean, are you into that process right now? Are you preparing for it? Are you, um, you know, where do you stand right now? So I finished a book called Birthright Recall. It's the first in a trilogy of science, space science fiction. 
and I am deep in the process of querying agents. Um, so I've gone through and created a query letter, obviously. And if you don't know about the publisher's marketplace, agent query, query tracker, those are the three tools I use in my querying process. Query tracker is great because you can keep track of all of your queries and you can also go through and look at all the data about each agent you're pitching. So you can find out what's the typical word count of the manuscripts being sent to them, which ones are being accepted, what's the percentage that is accepted. So you can sort of do a bit of the game theory, a bit of the work to make sure that you're going to be more successful. So I have sent out probably a dozen queries just in the last two weeks. And I've already had six or seven responses. Now, all of them have been rejections, <laughs> but they've all been responsive. Right. And getting a response is kind of like, you know, they're reading your letter. So that's a big deal. Just getting your letter read means mm -hmm. something. I'm getting uh, feedback, not just form letters. That's also a, seems to be a good sign. So I think it's a numbers game. It's just a matter of time until I find the right agent who is looking for my story. Right. Um, and I am keeping my head up about it. I'll keep going for as long as it takes because it feels like a matter of time. I know my book is good. I know my writing is good. I know that I'm going to sell a bunch of books because I have the ability to do marketing. It's just a matter of getting that publisher who believes in the book and is willing to put, you know, put their imprint on it. Right. I was just, since I'm, I'm in the same boat right now, um, just revamped all of my query stuff and, yeah. um, you know, I'm starting to go back out, uh, now that I've reduced the word count, cause I wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting, you know, circular filed simply because I had a, a lot of, uh, a lot of words, but I was reading a really interesting article on, uh, by, it was interviews with published authors about the process that they went through. And one of them uh, she was talking about how she, it was her first book and she had set a goal. She was going to query a hundred authors and then she was going to give it up. She was going to be like, nope, I'm not going to do it anymore. She got to a hundred authors, still hadn't gotten anybody. And she was just so hooked on the idea that she could, that the book was worth doing that. She kept going and it was on the 139th or 140th submission that she finally got an agent who said, yeah, yeah I really want to see this. She, she now has seven or eight books that have been published, but her mother said to her, but wait, you said you were going to stop after a hundred queries. And she said, yeah, I know. But if I had stopped then I wouldn't have made it on my 140. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's definitely not, I mean, if you're lucky, you're someone like, you know, Andy Weir who self publishes the Martian and then on the same day gets a call from an agent who wants to publish the book and also from an agent who wants to sell it as the movie. And, um, but that's, that is, that's rare. I think it's definitely more of the ongoing, you know, effort and, uh, you know, with those tools, it definitely is easier to submit, you know, it might also be easier for them to, you know, hit a hit reply with a form letter, but, you know, even so someone's taking a look at it and you just keep, you just keep going. Cool. The way I look at it, if you've had the guts to sit down and write, that's the hard part. The mm -hmm. courage to send out a letter saying, Hey, will you read this a hundred times is to me, it's just way easier. It, 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 I know that the rejection is supposed to sting and it, I suppose it does, but I believe in the, the book. I know the writing is good and I know the writing is good. I've heard, I've now had many other people read this book who I trust who would give me negative feedback if, if it was bad mm -hmm. and they've all been positive. It's, 
the you know, practically raving reviews, which is this, this is why it's the first time I have a book I believe in so much. I'm going to query a hundred agents or however long it takes. The books in my past, I mean, there's a book I wrote that's at 65,000 words and it will never see the light of day. It, I will never bring it out of a drawer. It's so juvenile, you know, and not in a good way, not in a YA kind of way. It's just not great. So I think, and that was my sixth novel. That was the sixth book I wrote. So I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm looking at my writing and starting to be this is going to sound weird, but if you don't want to read your own book, if you're not impressed by your own book, in not a narcissistic way, but in an honest way, if you're not reading a book that you wrote and thinking, wow, that's a great line. That turn of phrase is really poetic. That character arc I am into. If you if you can't put your book down, then you, you believe in it, time to go query it. If you don't believe in your own book, you know, keep writing. Like maybe that is the book to self-publish and then keep writing. I think you don't get deemed for self-publishing, you know, I think so. I imagine, I imagine most authors probably have one of those, have one of those books. I have the, the first full length novel that I wrote was actually in college and it will never see the light of day either. Cause yeah. it's incredibly <laughs> derivative. But the thing is, is that it, it proved to me that I could do it. You know, it, it proved right. to me that I could actually sit down and I could write, you know, 300 pages or however much it turned out. And I, and I still have it. And, you know, and it's, it's part of my, you know, it, it's part of my historical archive, but God, I've right. never let anybody see it. <laughs> sure. Well, um, to be honest, you, you told me in preparation for this, you read my novella short mm-hmm. story that's on Amazon called Dr. Man's Kind Folly. And I wrote that 10 years ago. So I had to go back and reread it just to be like, okay, if you ask me any questions about this story, I should know what my own story was, you know? <laughs> no, and, it's, and what's funny, oh, no, sorry, I was reading it, I was this is, this book's good. Like I would read this. If this was somebody else's, I would give this a high rating. This is a good book. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. I, you know, I loved it. It was sort of the sort of a reverse Pinocchio, uh, but you know, set five hundred years in the future. It was it was really it was very interesting. It was a night. It was a nice twist to it. Oh. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So it's kind of funny. I mean, I I don't I don't think I'm the next Shakespeare. I think that's the other thing people get stuck on is they believe that they have to be this, you know, great and. While I think the book I've written, Birthright, is good enough to win science fiction awards, I don't see, I, like, I don't see myself as some, you know, I don't, I don't have to be some great thing. I can do this because it's fun mm. and because the life of an author might be the right life for me. That would be enough. Mm. So, so I don't know if ambition is good for people, but I think sometimes, sometimes it is. Sometimes I think it holds people back. Yeah, I think there's always that. I think there's always that. I think you worry about it because then you're saying, "Wait, is this? I'm going to write the next great American novel," and yeah, and you feel like you're having this. You, what you might have written is a really good American novel, and that's and that's good enough. It doesn't have to be, you know, the you know, doesn't have to put you up there with like you know, the Faulkners and the, and and yeah. And the, and the other I mean, Moby Dick wasn't discovered until after Melville was dead. I mean, I don't want to write that book. I want to write a book that is successful now. I want to be, 
Dan Brown, right? Like I want to like make some money and have some go. fun and write <laughs> what I enjoy. Like, it's, that, that's a that's a good goal. So, have you read anything recently that just really sort of captured your attention, or that you found to be particularly compelling, particularly interesting? Yeah, I've been because I'm writing science fiction, magical realism, historical fiction, fantasy stuff like that. I've been reading a lot in that genre lately. Mm. I just reread Dune uh, this past week because I the movie's coming out, and I think that's a solid book. Um, but I think the book that really blew my mind over the last year was the three body problem. And then I love the murder bot diaries from Martha Wells. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one's a genius book. And then I also, uh, Penrick's demon, which is by Lois McMaster Buhold. That series is fantastic. I, I can't believe no one's thought of that before. And she's just kind of made this whole, she made an entirely new fantasy realm with stuff I've never read anywhere else. And I think I've read most of fantasy fiction. (laughs) I I think that's my genre. Having said Lord of the Rings is where I started. You know, Patrick Rothfuss's books, I go back and reread every year because I just love that series. Douglas Adams, I reread every year. His turn of phrase, there's nobody better. Mm -hmm. Maybe Oscar Wilde. And I reread him frequently too. those are the books I've been thinking about lately. Cool. Excellent. So final question, you know, we've talked about, you know, how you, how you don't think that you could be bored, that you're always wanting to learn things. Do you have, as you think about what you write and when you write, is there a particular sort of driving, you know, is there a driver for you? I mean, why, why do you write? I mean, is it simply to, to to get published? Is it to, you know, just to get stuff out that's sort of percolating inside? I mean, why do you sit down and put pen to paper? I'm generally frustrated by the present reality. So I write science fiction, fantasy, and these kinds of fiction narratives because I want to create the world I would like to live in, not a utopia, you know, but I feel frustrated generally by the the reality around me, the idiocracy around me. (laughs) And I don't want to be a snob, but I am a snob about integrity. And I feel like I don't feel a lot of integrity in modern life. I think we walk around buying things. We don't know where they came from and who they hurt to get there. And we know that it hurts somebody to have the thing, but we suppress that. And there's this, 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 we're accomplices to this lack of integrity in our modern world. So I just like to create worlds where people are aware. <laughs> and I think that's what drives me. And, and, and maybe it's because I'm a sociology scholar and I'm fascinated in social change. And I think there's so much possibility when people come together to make change. I believe in radical change as well as revolution. I believe in those kinds of concepts. So it's easy for me to say, well, let's extrapolate where we're at and where we're stuck right now. Let's extrapolate the progress that we could make and give it 100 years or 500 years or or take it back 500 years and let's look at it then. I'm curious about why the world has come to the nexus it is now 
and where it could possibly go. So I'm just curious about that. And I always have been. I think I've always looked around me and thought, man, these systems are broken. Why are there potholes? Like they just shouldn't exist. They're not that hard to fix. It, oh, it's because we keep making terrible roads with terrible systems. Oh, we should just fix that system. No, but that would unemploy people. See, I just think that's a terrible system altogether. And I just want to write around it. Like just paper over it with a, a fictional reality. <laughs> Not to say that I can't grasp reality and be in it, but when I end up writing, it's because I wish the world were better, <laughs> more interesting. Great. Well, thanks very much, Dale. This has been this has been a pleasure chatting with you. I, I really appreciate you being on and and uh, and sharing some of your thoughts. It's been a lot of fun. I hope that it was useful to anybody, but it was fun for me to hang out. So thank you. Excellent. Great. Thanks again to Dale for joining me on the Epic Pencil. As we discussed, he's deep in the process of querying agents for his new fiction projects. You can also learn more about those projects and Dale at dalethomasvaughn.com or find his previous work on Amazon. As always, I also enjoy your feedback at pretendingtowrite.com. The Epic Pencil will return in two weeks with our next episode. In the meantime... Enjoy a great book or two, and remember to support your local independent booksellers, especially as the holiday season rapidly approaches. The Epic Pencil is copyright 2020 by Christopher Watson. <laughs>